Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that was told we were too elite for doing the show in front of our great value cereal box collection, it's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's our secret weapon. Well, I guess he used to be our secret weapon. Now I guess he's just our weapon. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! And each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. His diamond hands will never sell his James Cameron stock. It's John Paula, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hello. Hello there. Woo. Good to be back. And yeah, that's about that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> never bet against Jim Cameron. Hold, said it once, hold the line. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. Uh yes, those uh those references are to the movies we'll be doing today. The Creator and Dumb Money. We'll be talking about those two uh movies together today. Uh we'll be doing a best ever challenge on best ever stock movies, movies where the stock market plays a role in the plot. Which is which is less films than you would think, as I was frustrated I think so. to find out. Yeah, there aren't a, there aren't really a ton where the stock market is You you should have central. taken my suggestion and expanded it to just financial district movies. <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, this makes it fun. Um, And then, of course, we'll do a buried treasure uh, as well. Uh, How's everybody doing? John, how are you doing? I'm a bit sick, as you can tell from my gravelly voice. But otherwise, Mm. I'm doing great. It's a very busy week for me at work. But uh, it's the weekend now. I'm excited for that. And uh, a couple couple of solid movies I'm interested to chat with today. So I'm I'm feeling good. Yeah, looking forward to these conversations very much. Andrew, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just peachy, my friend. Good. How are you doing? I, peachy works. I like peachy. Uh, yeah. that's, that's certainly a, a response I could go with. I'm feeling peachy as well. Uh, well, let's get into it. No reason to dilly or dally or do both together. Let's talk about the creator. Ten years ago today, the artificial intelligence created to protect us detonated a nuclear warhead in Los Angeles. This is a fight for our very existence. Sergeant Taylor, we are this close to winning the war. But the AI are developing a super weapon. Retrieve it. Or they win. Amid a future war between the human race and the forces of artificial intelligence, Joshua, a hardened ex-Special Forces agent grieving the disappearance of his wife, is recruited to hunt down and kill the Creator, the elusive architect of advanced AI, who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war and mankind itself. Uh, the creator uh, comes to us from Gareth Edwards, uh, who, yes. you know, 
looking for a hit, right? Like, I mean, it's it's been off and on uh, for for the Gareth Edwards career uh, so it? far. A little bit hit and miss. Um, <laughs> Andrew, hate- are you like mostly miss or mostly hit? <laughs> Mostly hit. I love Gareth Edwards. Okay. I'm Fair actually enough. very surprised because uh, I wasn't sure. I'm like, what else? What's he been up to? He hasn't done a movie since Rogue One. That was seven 2016. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it was a been while. a while. I thought, I thought well, did he come up with something like during the pandemic that I totally missed and forgot about? No, he just. Nope. He's been uh, taking it easy. Good yeah. for him. Uh, John David Washington stars as Joshua. Uh, Jim Chan as Maya um, are kind of at the center of what's going on. Allison Janney in there doing some good work as well. Um, what did you guys think of the creator? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or is just okay? Uh, John, why don't you start? I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Andrew? It's difficult when you just come out of a movie and then you have to record the show mm. like immediately and try and collect all your thoughts. I think I'm going to land on I loved it. Okay. But I'm, I just want everybody to know in my headspace, this is all coming at you fresh. You <laughs> yeah, know, no, so. I, I get, that's tough. That's real tricky. I'm coming it in is. the room hot. I love this movie. So. And, I, and I honestly don't think... Uh, there, there, you know, there are always discussions, but I don't think we talk enough about how instant reaction culture impacts the ability to really assess how we feel about these stories that we're told Um, because our culture is so much about, you know, see the thing, talk about the thing. um, It it really kind of, I find the deeper conversations happen about movies you've seen, you know, a few times or saw once 20 years ago and then rewatched last week. You know what I mean? Like those, those conversations, because you've had time to live in what you're seeing. Um, exactly. So I, I'm a little bit mixed on this as well, and I don't know where I will eventually land 10 years from now, but right now I am going to barely be and liked it uh, from It's Just Okay. Um, I was I was really close to saying It's Just Okay, uh, but I, I, I'm going to go with liked it uh, Now that's me. interesting because um, for those who haven't heard the pre-show, you had mentioned... Uh, that this movie made you cry at some point. And for mm-hmm. me, that's always uh, an emotion reserved for the highest of films. Yeah, you've never cried at a bad movie? Right, exactly right. <laughs> like, if, if a movie yeah. evokes that Welcome much emotion for me... Welcome to my world. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is my pain. Um, yeah, no, that's exactly right. If, if For me, if a movie makes me cry, then it is automatically like a 9 out of 10. It is mm. already done so much more wow. uh, emotional and story-driven work. That sometimes it's it's an unearned emotion where it's just invoking something personal out of me that the movie didn't really set up itself. Mm-hmm. Sure, and there's there's certainly instances of that, but when it when it does earn it, it's like well that you, you this movie's already I don't know bad acting is, or great I'm sorry great acting can make me cry in a bad movie it just can it just can happen that's that's very interesting to me. Um, because I'm buying the humanness of what's going on because of the performance. Right. But then when I take a step back and look at the whole thing, um, then I may have some some more yeah, issues. Yeah, no, for, for me, if it's a if it's a good enough performance to make me cry, then I feel like I'm able like, to overlook other things. But and, it's like this, like it's just like one small part of the movie, though. You know what I mean? Like one I, scene that's acted Aaron, well. This, Aaron, this is I think this is like one of those things where like what we appreciate about film is coming to the forefront. Like mm-hmm. I think for me and John performances really drive how much we appreciate a movie where you are more theme based mm-hmm. 
And I mean, I'm, I'm all of the above, but like if, if I'm crying, then like the other stuff's already worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Yep. Well, I would love for you to live a day in my emotions and just right, feel well, feel the beauty of it. Um, I small live- sidebar there on man and their emotions. Not so, a bad so, yeah. so to uh, to move this to another category because I'm enjoying this this conversation. Have you ever laughed at a bad movie? All yes. the time. Okay. Yes, so for, for sure. me, that's like crying is a response, like laughing. It's like something yeah. happened that triggered yeah. something, and I went with it. Like I I'm as apt to cry as I am to laugh. I, I think both are beautiful I, things. I, I totally appreciate that analogy and that did help me sort of put it in perspective better. But I will say, if I'm laughing at a bad movie, it's usually ironically and it doesn't get points. Well, for not it, always right? though. Not always though. Right. I mean, literally, if, have if, you laughed? If, you if, know, if I have a genuine, if, if I have a genuine laugh from a bad movie, I don't think it's a bad movie because it made me genuine. Okay. Well, at fair. least that's like a meh movie. You know what I mean? It's at least borderline. Well, it and was let's okay. remember, I said I liked this movie. You did. <laughs> so it's not you like did. I, I said I hated right. it or anything. You did. True. Uh, well, oh let's... no, Aaron, you're falling into the you're falling into the pit, Aaron. <laughs> Worst movie, movie of the year of for you. Year. Yeah. Uh, Call yourself out. Uh, all right, guys. Um, I will let you two fight it out for uh, who loved it more. It sounds like maybe John had a more uh, firm, you know, loved it. So why don't you start us off, John? What are some of the things? Uh, some of your general thoughts on the movie? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, that cough is going to come up all all night. Um, I think first and foremost, the world building was so Dang it, expansive. That was be my first thing. It was so captivating. I just wanted to live in this space and learn more about this universe. There's a quick, just kind of cutaway to a digital billboard in some Asian city where the advertisement on the billboard is asking humans to donate their facial likeness to be used on robots. And it's like, donate your likeness today. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is such a terrifying and (laughs) awesome concept for a movie like this. And I just, I wanted to live in this space, the way that robots were designed, the way they interact, the way they're used against this backdrop that is, I would say like 70 to 80% practical with sort of flourishes of visual effects mixed in. That sort of, that visual cocktail was so uh, just captivating. And I, I wanted to spend more time in these locations. And I think Gareth Edwards has a really good eye on how to give us something unique. And we haven't really seen this type of setting before. We've seen, you know, space and space stations and spaceships. But this was like, what if we have robot technology, but it's in Vietnam? And it's like, that's so cool. I've never seen that juxtaposition before. And everything around that was just sort of icing on the cake. But that was what really pulled me in uh, from the jump. Andrew, what about you? Some of your general thoughts? Yeah, totally going to echo everything you said about the world building. I think Gareth Edwards has a beautiful eye for capturing as much real detail as he can. Kind of like what John was saying. He, uh, I wish I knew the name of the camera that he used for this movie, but it's Sony AX3. I think it was. It's a consumer camera. Costs like four grand. It's a consumer camera. You can buy it at BNH. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that allowed him to shoot more of the backgrounds. This was filmed in Thailand, and some of these shots are just like screensaver, breathtakingly beautiful. And I think that that's where you see uh, Gareth Edwards shine the most. He is a visual master. You look at all of his movies. You look at Rogue One, Godzilla, Monsters, this. He knows how to visually make a beautiful film. And I think he does hear this. Maybe, I don't know, man, Godzilla is a really beautiful looking movie. Some of those I mean, shots. I'll, but this, I'll, I'll say as much that this is probably the best looking sci-fi movie in, you know, five or six years, at least this was, this was really well done. I mean, I'm trying Avatar? to think of like other, 
All right, excluding Avatar because that's almost a cheat, right? That doesn't that almost doesn't count. Excluding, I was thinking of of other contemporary movies like this, like Arrival or The Martian or other stuff, sort of in that in that mm. vein that takes place in this near future. Uh, Blade Runner twenty four and nine comes to mind as another movie that's visually really beautiful. Uh, I I loved everything about that. And um, correction, it's the FX three, the Sony FX three is the camera. Not you can tell by watching this movie that there are a lot of. Uh, homages to other films that have come before it. Like you, I can see a lot of Akira and Blade Runner in this. It's, I mean, it's hard not to, you know, borrow some of those influences because they're so steeped in this genre that you can't do certain. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Kubrick. That's 2001. I was like, yeah, well, how do you not do movies with spaceships and not make some of that look like Star Wars? And Gareth had done a Star Wars, obviously. So it's, but yeah, there's a couple sequences. Where, there's a couple sequences where like uh, these. I guess they're just airships or helicopters with jets mm-hmm. that are quickly flying away from explosion. And I'm like, oh, that that looks just like the Death Star run, where these these yeah. three mm-hmm. ships fly past the camera as the explosion happens in the in the distant background. I'm like, oh, that looks exactly like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, Look, that doesn't bother me. T- that, that doesn't bother me at all. No, that's, I, I, that's I, I, a, definitely that's not a, a, you a know, bad thing. Use the same notes, write a different song, you know, kind of thing. Like you yeah, know, there's sure. especially when you're dealing yeah. with a, a genre like sci-fi or or horror or some of those, you know, like really like well uh, defined genre, you know, material. It's it's always going to feel a little bit like that, and um, and I, I don't think there's any way to watch this movie. I shouldn't say that. I think it would be very difficult to watch this movie and come away going, "What a ripoff!" I mean, this this movie feels wholly unique, wholly uh, interesting. Very much so. Um, it is. I really appreciated that after having seen you know over five thousand movies, this movie still showed me a lot of stuff I had never seen before. And again, it's you're you're playing with the same twenty ingredients, especially in the genre of dystopian sci-fi killer robots. Like, yeah, okay, we've seen all these parts before, all these ingredients. But the way they were mixed together, there were new images and new concepts and new moral quandaries that were introduced that I had never sort of seen before. And I really loved that. Because it was I, I remember having the thought, like, oh, wow, that's actually – that's unique. I've never seen that done before. Cool. And I, I always love when a movie kind of is able to deliver that for sure. Um, well, since you guys talked about the world building, which was also probably my favorite thing uh, about this movie and the visuals, which I think are are spectacular, um, I'll talk about the performances. Uh, I really, really, I, I don't think it's a surprise that I love John David Washington. I think, you know, he's, he's just yeah. great and whatever I see him in. I cannot stop hearing his dad. I'm sorry, John. I I cannot like it is, when he it's talks. Right it's I don't hear it. Canny, like <laughs> you, like That's I, wild. You, I could close my eyes and think Denzel was starring in the creator. Like it's it's wild to me how much they sound alike. I had a few moments where I was like my my brain did that little like where it forgets where it is for a second. I'm like mm. Den- Denzel. I was just like. <laughs> I'm like, oh right, right, right. He's his son. Like I, I, I forgot for a moment who I was watching because he, he's so good in this that I thought I was watching Joshua, this you know half cybernetic human in the distant future, uh, and and I forgot it was you know Denzel Washington's 39 year old son. And then every now and then I'd hear his voice, and I'm just like, oh right, oh right, 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 right. Uh, Madeline Yuna Voiles, I'm going to say, uh, who Ooh. plays uh, a young sim. Do they call him sim simulants? What do they Sim, call it? Right? Something like that. Sim uh, synth. I, um, I think it's. I think it's Sim something. But, was, I think it was Sim. Yeah. Um, Alfie. Alfie was her name in the movie. Her Alfie's, name was it? Yeah, Alfie. Alfie's incredible. Um, I so good. I kind of 
want to hang on to this performance for some future where somebody asks me, what's the best child performance of all time? Because I Whoa. think it's in the conversation. That's I, high praise. She just blew me away. Um, and It's very good. There's a lot of complex stuff happening where exactly. she needs to grapple with life and death and consequence and you know if i make this choice this 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 and this happens and like with as a as a dad of kids and girls this age they don't know how to think five moves ahead like that they don't know how to contextualize and internalize those types of emotions uh, visually on their face it's like act sad my daughter can do that mm-hmm. act distraught because you're making an impossible sophie's choice like, <laughs> she's not going to know how to take that direction but yeah this this girl was well, show very... her the sophie's choice john gosh <laughs> yeah yeah all right, sweetie, you ready to watch Meryl Streep tonight? Meryl Streep is... <laughs> yeah, she was real good. Um, yeah, so those two are the primary ones that stuck out to me. Ken, Wan- Ken Watanabe is always great as well. I thought he was phenomenal in this. Um, Jimmy Chan is certainly great. I didn't think she had as much to do, um, and that's just, you know, uh, uh, part of what we're dealing with. Um, but uh, You know but, yeah. who really transformed for me? Alice and Janney. Like, I've seen her do this kind of thing before. Like she's, she's, I haven't. Yeah, she. No, I mean, as far as like stretching to, like, she is a really good character actor. Like she um, has played yeah, a lot of different kind of roles. I don't think anybody doubted her ability. And if I'm being honest, I've seen her be better. This, I maybe it's it's not her. Mm-hmm. It's the writing. She didn't have that character. Was mm-hmm. not afforded any, I guess, showy scenes. Where she gets there's one moment in the beginning where we get a little bit of that like human context from her, which she nails. It's great, but from then on out, she's just sort of a uh, like a nameless sort of background element that's mm-hmm. kind of tangential to the plot. I, I was never really satisfied with how her her entire character was like just superfluous. It happened alongside, and then they meet up sort of towards oh. the end of the movie, and it's like, yeah, I, I guess she was kind of important to the plot. I don't know. I, I, I feel like that that was maybe the, my one weak spot, actually, was was her character. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I thought I was going to come into this and be like, all right, guys, yeah, we're all going to talk about Alice and Janney being amazing. No, I mean, she's <laughs> no, good, I'm, I'm but I, just, I don't think the right character now. was written particularly. <laughs> Alice and Janney you know. is supremely talented. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't put this in her top five performances. Ooh. No, no, no. Yeah. So. I just, also, um, I shout really out to it. Sturgill Simpson, the uh, Americana folk rock singer, country oh, singer. Oh, yeah. Who played uh, the character Drew, Josh's friend, in the, uh, the like the middle act of the movie? Uh, and I didn't recognize him at first. I'm like, this guy looks familiar. Uh, yeah, Churchill Simpson, great, great singer, and apparently he's an actor now. I this is the, this is the first time I've seen him in a movie, so good for him. Um, let's see other thoughts. You guys have anything else you want? You both love this movie, so like go go on, you know, go on with yourself. What what else did you love? I think a lot of what we said is just really encompassing. Like when you say the the visuals are spectacular, you want to shout out specific moments and stuff like that. But it's one of those movies. Like I just want people to experience this movie for themselves and just come away and not really know too much going in. I loved the way that the invented technology was integrated (coughs) into the story in meaningful ways. Uh, There's a brain chip that they introduce for one character and it's, yeah. it serves its purpose from an expositional standpoint. But then that also kind of plays in later in the movie and they've already set it up what it's capable of, why it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love, I love the way they use technology, just the, the design of the vehicles and weapons and stuff like that was really cool. Um, and I think this movie engaged with the AI conversation um, 
in a way that felt maybe not like super unique and, and fresh, but it was, I think, had enough reverence and enough respect for the totality of that entire, I don't know, conversation of artificial, is it going to wipe us out? Is it going to bring us to, you know, another higher evolution? And I think it did some some cool things with that sort of thought process, that robots and AI can help us, they can be subservient, and they can better humanity, and it's also potentially our downfall if we abuse it. And it had some interesting stuff to say there, which I liked. Um, and then final thought, um, which I definitely want to point out, because this still blows my mind. Uh, this movie was produced for $80 million. And then you look at a movie like Love Indiana that. Jones. Mm-hmm. You look at a movie like Indiana Jones or The Flash that was produced for like $300 million. And it's like, where, where did the money go? Because this movie, for, for my money, part of the pun, looks so much better and more expansive and more developed than either of those other two. And they cost three, four times as much. Which yeah. is it's crazy practical. to me. Besides the I, yeah. stuff they can't fake, like the a, like the the head modules yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it's just on on location filming. I just super this, impressive stuff. This they did this there. movie is a standard bearer for the industry um, because yes. they are going to have to make sub one hundred million dollar movies. That's just if they're going to be profitable businesses. Um, their their foray into the movies that cost hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars is going to have to shrink greatly and oh it's it's absolutely unsustainable all the all the big flops this summer were just it wasn't because the movies didn't perform well it's because they cost 400 million dollars to make and unless you're jim cameron that's not a (laughs) uh, you know formula for success it just doesn't work right so i I do think it is it is a standard bearer or could be a standard bearer in that way of something for hollywood to look at and go this is kind of what we got to do because it feels big. It feels like a blockbuster. Um, it's sci-fi. It's cool. It's got effects in it. Uh, and we kept the price down. Um, and that's just kind of, I think, going to have to be this new industry, this new world um, as we move. Just- Although, you know, as this movie hints at, uh, AI may be a part of keeping that cost down in the future uh, when they well, may- the it- not to get way off tangent, but the WGA writer strike that ended this week, they made a lot of provisions that mostly protect against AI, and uh, which I was very glad to see because they got out in front of that. They're like, nope, we're not going to go down that road. If we choose to, as writers individually, personally, to use AI to help our writing, we're allowed to do that. But you're not allowed to just generate content without us and just put it in here and pretend it's us. Or, or... So I, I love that they outlined a lot of forward-thinking uh, issues there. I read an article that said that the wording of the deal puts a lot of trust in the studios uh, to uh, do the right thing Um, and that there aren't really any true ways to hold them accountable for, you know, some of the things that they could do. Are you saying you don't trust Walt Disney Corporation? <laughs> you don't. You don't trust uh, who, what Comcast, the Universal. You don't trust them to manage. All their I'm media? saying is, ten to fifteen years from now, there will be a movie release that is completely AI and no human being was involved in the voice or the acting. It's gonna. It's gonna happen in the next. Oh yeah. Decade I, or so I'm, so I'm once Hollywood can do that, I like that contracts, you know, of course that contract will be up by then, but anyways. Um, so there you go. Uh, there's some, some of the positive stuff. Uh, I guess I can dive into the things that, that give me pause with this movie. Um, there's a lot in this movie. I didn't like, uh, I, I, or I should say that didn't work for me. 
Um, as great as the world building is, a lot of it is nonsensical. Um, a lot of the leaps in logic that this world makes about weaponry and where things are heading and how things would be happening in an AI versus human war are just kind of silly and don't make a lot of sense. Now, I won't go I need, into. I need. I was just. I need you to go. I'll give, give me you some one. Examples. I'll okay. give you. I'll give you one. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to spoil like everything in the movie. But I'll go ahead and give you sure. one. A robot that runs to a building and blows itself up makes no okay. sense in a world where you can target anything with a missile and send a missile. It is the least efficient way to blow anything up in the history of blowing things up. It makes no sense on any kind of logical level that that would be some kind of ammunition that the, the government would invest in or you know put out there. Um, yes, wait, but it Okay, so cool. you're complaining that the government is not spending its money logically. No, I'm complaining- yeah. I want to make sure I hear that correctly. No, no, no. Uh. I'm complaining in a, in a world building that shows such amazing technology that the humans are creating against the AI that all that that it they would use something like this when they had something else. Um, I don't know if it's much of a spoiler to talk about the main weapon uh, in in this movie, but it it that main weapon completely negates so much of what happens in this movie. I did um, find it. I did have the thought, like a, like a cinema sins thought, like. 20 minutes in like wait why do they have to go to the base and like they don't. laser target they don't. it if they can just get it from the they sky at any point don't because that's don't. what they end up doing is just blowing <laughs> it up from the sky so like if you know where it is this is what you I'm know saying. you need to blow there's there's why a, does lo it a lot of a lot of enough of this movie falls yeah. into that what that it just becomes distracting now I can put that side of that stuff aside you know and enjoy the visuals and have a good time and I did I liked this movie um but there was enough of it that you know, uh, that didn't work for me, that it was just kind of a, um, a pause. Um, I have no idea what this movie is saying about AI and, and humanity. Um, I, I don't think it has a cohesive point of view, uh, which I find really annoying for a movie that feels like it wants to be so emotional um, and has such great performances, again, that made me cry. Um, you know, there's, there is a lack of, in, again, in my mind, and I, I could be, you know, uh, clued into something that I possibly missed. I'm not even sure this movie understands the actual conundrum that underlies AI versus humanity. I'm not sure this that this movie even ever breathes at, winks at, hints at the actual uh, the actual understanding that the, the problem with AI versus humanity is humanity doesn't have a chance. Like the the actual problem is that AI is way too advanced for us to even. Like for there even to be a war, like it's just the the way uh, that this movie handles that is is um, it's kind of befuddling to me because I'm like I think it wants to to exist in this you know AI versus human conundrum that we've seen since you know Terminator and before, um, but it just not only doesn't have anything new to say, I'm not sure it has anything at all to say. So that you know, so I come away from it just kind of feeling a little empty in that regard. And like you said, Andrew. That is kind of where my bread's buttered, right? Like that is that is where, like, when I'm watching a movie, if I'm going, okay, if we're looking at, uh, you know, themes, message, story versus performances versus, you know, visual effects, uh, you know, themes, message, story is going to be, you know, the top of what gets me list. Um, and so 
I think it says a lot for this movie that I feel that way and still like the movie. Like because yeah, it is right. it is a fun watch. I want to watch this movie again. Some of the gadgets are so cool. I think they're kind of silly, but they're so cool. And like that's I think that's saying something about this movie. Um, you know, that it that it's it's good enough that even as as little as I bought in to the mechanics of this world, um, or the logic of this world, I should say that I was so enamored by the detail of this world and the, you know, the things I hadn't seen before, you know, little gadgets I hadn't seen before or whatever that, that I still liked it. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where I, that, that's my cognitive dissonance is, you know, watching it was a little bit of what? Oh, but that's awesome. But what? You know, like that, that was kind of my experience um, throughout, but I still had a good time. Well articulated. Yeah. And I, I, I'm inclined to agree with a couple of things you said. Um, I'm not. I guess. I guess they didn't. I guess they didn't. They didn't bother me as much. Sure. Uh, some of those totally logic issues. I, I didn't really care. The logic stuff didn't really bother me. The AI stuff. I think they dealt more with AI as as personhood and less about like humanity versus AI, which would have been an interesting tack to take as well. But I, I like. What the did stuff he even were, have to say about AI as as personhood? May, maybe I was bringing my own. Uh, you know, projections into the script because, yeah, I don't know that the movie. But can I tell you something? No, no, I think that it. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, go ahead because I think you have a direct uh, response. I was going to kind of shift a little bit, so go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, that I think that the uh, evolution of human is the tagline or humanity evolved. I think that it should have been uh, something to the effect of humanity's consciousness evolves or something like that because I don't think that the movie's saying that. Humanity is the one that needs to change in the sense of like uh, like physically change or anything. I was like, look at these. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to word this with, without talking around spoilers. Yeah, no, like I, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. But I think that the movie's saying that humanity needs to look at artificial intelligence as a true living you know, species. Yeah, yeah, that that's we are that's beyond. Yeah, coexistence. Where though? Exactly. Where is this movie saying that? Like that's like the like we the only thing we have that points that direction, huh. in my opinion, is the progress of our our protagonist. But I don't know what like other than oh oh it's it's a cute one. Like like what is the you know the actual what does he actually learn that you know makes him see AI in a different way? Um, oh, I definitely can't talk about that without getting into spoilers. <laughs> but that's, I definitely but, can't. But that's not. But again, that uh, the movie doesn't. I don't think the movie actually takes the time to explore what you're talking about with what happens towards the end in a way that would help us understand how he is now processing the change. I just I don't know why our protagonist changes. Um, Aaron, I know you don't play video games, but there's one that came out a couple years ago that you might like called Detroit Become Human. I've played it a little bit. I've played it a little bit. Oh, okay. I love it. That game gets into a lot yes. of the same philosophical questioning that I yes. think is going on in this movie, too. It just, it's blanketed under a different light. You know, that that, that was more of a philosophical look, introspective look into AI, whereas this, I think, is more action-packed as opposed to subtle yeah yeah i i just um what i was going to say is there's also not necessarily anything wrong with a movie saying bring your own stuff make your own conclusions 
we're not here to preach to you. Like that's a movie doesn't have to be like one of my favorite movies of all time is that way. The matrix is this way. The matrix doesn't tell you what to think or how to feel or, you know, like it, it puts a bunch of stuff on the screen and you're supposed to connect the dots. You know, you're supposed to kind of bring your own. That's, that's why the matrix is one of those movies that almost anybody you will hear different people talk about in a way that's so meaningful to them. Like, Oh, as a Christian, this was so meaningful to me when this happened because it's representative of this, and you can tell that they wanted this to be a Jesus, you know, figure. And and then somebody else will be, like, oh no, this is you know, my my Hindu faith is is matched like right here, and you can see that you know it it kind of puts all of it out there in a way to go place yourself in here and uh, and feel the things you need to feel and and think the things you want to think. Um, this movie, unfortunately, unlike The Matrix, for me didn't put me in any place where like afterward I was like, Oh man, what would have I done in that situation? Or, or, Oh, that was, I never thought of AI in that way. Like there wasn't anything for me to continue processing after the, uh, the movie other than that was a cool shot. Oh, I love that little gadget that did this thing. Oh, that was a funny line. By the way, this movie's funny. We didn't talk about that. That's another reason I like the movie. This movie has a good sense of humor. We should, we should, you know, Mm -hmm. mention that there's some really funny lines. Yeah. There, there were a few times I laughed out loud and I'm reminded, um, of a movie that did AI much better in the last year. It was one of your buried treasures, Aaron, from a few months back. I can't remember the name of it, but it involved a little girl and... and oh, yeah, the Artifice, uh, Artifice, Artifice Girl. That was yeah. Artifice Girl. That was tremendous in terms of the theming and the concepts right. and the thesis of AI as, as personhood and, like, is it good or bad? Is The, the moral quandaries do not really get broached in, in the creator. Um, so I, I think after your long monologue there i will i will downgrade to low side of loved it <laughs> <laughs> no i'm you not can, trying to bring it anybody can, down i'm just telling no, you, you the you, reason you, i'm not over the moon for the things. movie you've highlighted something and we talked about it earlier right that we're, we we all just saw this in the last 24 hours the movie's not even right. a day old yet um yeah. so i'm still sort of processing my own and immediately i was like that looked cool i loved it nine out of ten but when you actually talk about it and you dissect it it's like actually some of this doesn't quite hold up to scrutiny. Some of these things that were more porous, I was able to kind of gloss over. But when mm-hmm. you actually look at it, you know, more like a 10,000-foot view, it's like, yeah, all right, maybe it wasn't as strong as I thought. And I'm just, it just sort of filling in the holes myself. I, 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 you know, a movie doesn't, again, a movie doesn't owe me anything story-wise. They can be what it wants to be. The problem is if I'm only invested in, like, the world building and the visuals and the performances – then those little nitpicky things take more weight, right? Because they're stealing from the world for me. Like you're adding to the world and then you're stealing from the world because right. I, I don't have those other things to think about and talk about uh, afterwards. Um, like I do with the Artifice Girl or other movies like that, where I'm thinking about them for days and just thinking, oh man, how, you know, what an interesting thought that an AI would do this and how would I respond? And um, so, but, but again, to restate, I like this movie. And I recommend it. I think it's one worth mm-hmm. watching. Um, and uh, and I think the world it presents is really, really interesting. Uh, any other yeah. thoughts from you guys? My last thought, besides no post-credit scene, is I love the fact that this movie shows our character Joshua becoming more human as the movie progresses because of his interaction with artificial intelligence. It's as mm-hmm. if the artificial intelligence is helping him become a better person. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was the thesis. I think I, I wish they could have explored a little deeper into some of those themes, but that sure. was yeah, that would have been me, great. The, that's, that, that's really for me. That was the strongest sort of emotional through line. Was well, you look at the very beginning of the movie, and he's a soldier. He's very analytical and he's very cold. And you watch his progression throughout the movie. He is a full fledged human by the end of it. I don't know and if I, I agree that, about the also beginning. To Jim. I think he's shown well, pretty warm and and open and. You know, pretty broken up. But then he can turn it off. I think. I think what happens at the beginning of the movie brings him to the cold, and you know. Also, full disclaimer: I missed the beginning of this movie. Oh, my, my Regal Cinemas, which usually will air twenty to twenty-five minutes of previews, um, probably only aired five or ten minutes because wow. I got in. I got into the theater, and he was unplugging a robot against its wishes and i'm like i think i only missed 30 or 40 seconds and i think <laughs> you I, I, missed i think i missed a bunch. you missed some exposition <laughs> yeah well, i missed a some conversation john yeah yeah seriously uh, you missed <laughs> oh, i gotta man. go back and check out the rest because I'm, I'm thinking well they've never started a movie this early so it must only be a minute or two maybe yeah. the wow. credits. yeah see yeah. this is a reason why the no frames pledge should be expunged from the world <laughs> because it causes people to be late for movies yeah, and they miss right. vital important stuff. I think like, you're right. I, mean, I, I think, I think I picked everything up, but I, I halfway through the movie, I'm like, they keep talking about this, this night. And I'm like, ah, I think that might've been the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I, ah. I think I might've missed that. Ah, gosh, yeah. darn it. They keep referencing this one thing. And I'm like, I think that might've been the prologue. Uh, this is why I take headphones and just put my head down during the trailers. Um, oh, wait, it wasn't a, it wasn't a note. I was just, I had to put the girls to bed. I was running late. Oh, you're just theaters running on the other, Okay. Yeah. The theaters yeah. on the other side of got town. It. And I thought, well, I got time. They've never started a movie before. 25 minutes passed. Tonight they did. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. I think that wraps it up, uh, for the creator. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a recommend from all of us. Um, for sure. absolutely really cool stuff going on in this movie that I think you will enjoy. I think uh, there's, I think there's something everyone will take away from this that they like. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, let's move on to our second movie. Let's talk a little bit about Doom Money. Yo, what up, everybody? Roaring Kitty here. I'm gonna pick a stock and talk about why I think it's interesting, and that stock is GameStop. I love this guy. Retail traders have hooked into GameStop. I think they think it's a good investment. It looks like there's one guy driving all the buying. Who is this schmuck? Dumb money, man. Happy to take it. Internet commenter Keith Gill sinks his life savings into GameStop stock and posts about it. When his social posts start blowing up, so do his life and the lives of everyone following him. As a stock tip becomes a movement, everyone gets rich until the billionaires fight back and both sides find their world turned upside down. Dumb money is uh, Paul Dano as Keith Gill. And then I'm just going to say some names. Shailene <laughs> Woodley, Seth Rogen, Pete Davidson, Talia Ryder, Sebastian Stan, American Ferreira, Dane DeHaan, Nick Offerman, Anthony Ramos, Vincent D'Onofrio, Clancy Brown, uh, this is, this is an insane amount of people showing up for a cup of coffee, uh, in this movie. Um, what did you guys think about dumb money? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew. Okay. Just okay from Andrew. Just okay. John. Um, yeah, right there. Just okay. Just okay from John as well. Um, I'm going to go... 
I was gonna go just okay, but you guy, I don't want it just to be like just this <laughs> mediocre, like, just like this thing. Do it. Like, hey, eh. do it. Like, do like, it. We're, we all just you go, should be true eh, to yourself. Eh, Join us, eh. and then we just move on to the next thing. Um, That's all right. Uh, no, I am gonna go with just okay. Maybe I'll go with high side of just okay. I think there's a, a, enough here to uh, like to push it up a little bit. Um, so I guess I'll start uh, since I said high side of just okay. Um, one movie of the year, Aaron. Go ahead. <laughs> that's, right, that's, that's right. Dumb Money's the movie of the year, and the creator's the worst movie ever made. Yep, you got me. Yep. Um, I think for me, the reason that I come away from this, at least glad I watched it, was, oh, yeah. Yeah. was the, um, the, the efficiency with which it really covers a lot of different angles of this story. Now, this is a story that happened two years ago. So, like, this is, you know, this, and, and if you weren't tuned into it, you weren't tuned into it, that's fine. Um, but, you know, for most of us, it's like, yeah, I, I, I just went, <laughs> just that's went one of my, this. That's one of my biggest negatives, actually, is that this is so, I, I watched that saga unfold in real time on both the news yeah. and on Reddit. And seeing this again, dramatized by a, a, a whole ensemble of really talented people, was was like fun, and like the dramatizations of these scenes was interesting and, and funny. But it's like this also didn't offer anything new or fresh that I didn't know before, and that I think is my biggest negative. Is like I feel like I just watched this yeah. in real time, kind of, in real life. It's fun though, is what I'm trying yes. to say. Like it's fun yes. to watch this movie. This movie has a good time. It's yeah. it's quick and yet understandable. It's you know a lot of I I found some of the most affecting stuff actually the montages of like the real life TikToks yes. and that kind. Of, I thought I hated that it. I thought that <sighs> stuff was put together so well. Like it it was like a it was like a documentary. Well, it felt to me like an EDM song where the 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 beats building up and then you're just w- waiting for it to drop, waiting for him to drop the beat and just like this like. It gave this feeling of what it must have felt like for these people at times to be like, wait, am I am I really not selling this stock when it's worth five hundred thousand dollars? You know, like how am I not doing this? Um, so, like, I did. I do think the movie uh, did a good job at portraying the the various different emotions and angles and and things of people who were involved in what what happened here. So that's probably my biggest positive. Is just how fun it is. I thought this was a fun watch. Yeah. What about you it guys? It's a no guys... nonsense. It's a no nonsense film. It just gets right into it. It doesn't want to. It's it's you know, uh, beat around uh, the bush uh, with anything. It's it's pleasantly short. It's only a hundred and five minutes, and ten of those are credits. So it's like a good hour yeah. and a half movie. And I yeah. we I miss those. We need more ninety minute movies. We really do. <laughs> <laughs> we need and, movies uh, to be the length they're supposed to be. I don't care if they're ninety or if they're one hundred and eighty. Like just well, if you're making a good movie, make a good movie. I I, I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. But lately, a lot of the long movies don't need to be that long. <laughs> and I think that's also my also real the big movement uh, in my friend group right now is just bring back bring back the intermission, please. Just bring back the intermission. I'm okay with it. I I I got to go to the bathroom, man. Like you know, I'm pushing fifty. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Andrew, what else? What else were you going to say that uh, you either liked or or didn't like about it? Uh, performances. I think that Paul Dano has. I've never seen him like leading man that I can think of. Is he but, even uh, leading no, man he, here? He has a slight majority of the screen time, and I guess he's the protagonist because he's the center of the story. But I felt like this well, plot was so evenly split amongst five or six different groups that I hesitate to call any of them the the protagonist. It's sort of just a group. And you know, like they all go through the same character arc, kind of. 
not to get into negatives right now, but that actually is a perfect segue into my biggest negative for this film and that it's there are too many characters to keep track of. The film really wants to show how all these different people of different walks of life have been affected by this stock, yeah. but with so many people to take care of, or I mean to care for in this film, it gives each, it doesn't give each character enough time to properly be fleshed out. I, th- I think Paul Dano probably has 25 minutes of screen time total in this 105 minute movie. Like there's, it, mm. it felt so, sp- I, I mean, I would have to count it, but it felt like less than a half an hour. We were actually with him, like a third of the runtime. I take the over the on that. I take the over think, on that. I think I feel like we're with other people for more than fifty percent of this film, at least. Um. So yeah, uh, uh, Jonathan, what about any of your uh, your general thoughts? Um. I I really liked uh, the way it was presented. A lot of those interstitial montages were really fun. The way they framed every introduction with a net worth negative eighteen thousand dollars, and then at the end of the movie mm-hmm. we follow up. I loved all that frame. It felt a bit like um, a documentary about this. But it's sort of a, a glorified dramatization. But the, the one thing I, I didn't really appreciate, but I didn't mind because I did know about the real life situation, is how often this movie um, just forgoes actual explanation or exposition about what's happening or why and goes for a joke instead. And a few times I'm kind of like, I mean, I remember all about the short sale and I remember what that squeeze meant and how it worked from my financial perspective. But I also remember having a good deal of trouble learning that a couple years ago. So if you went into this movie blind, not knowing about the GameStop thing in 2021, this movie doesn't really explain it to you. And it, it does jokes and it does more stuff with Pete Davidson than it bothers to like explain some of the nuance. And I guess you don't need to know that. You're more invested in like, will these people make it rich? Will these people go poor? Um, but that was a note if that you, I'm like, oh, I kind of wish they got deeper into the weeds on some of that. If you want that, you should watch The Big Short. Right, that's well, I, the movie I think that the big short did that everything about really, shooting. really well for sure. And then uh, last point I want to make was the I was really glad that this movie portrayed the the Reddit army and, and all the diamond hands in such a positive light. Uh, and they could and they could have they could have gone another way with it. They could have like, who cares about all these basement dwellers who wasted all their money on this stupid joke stock? They are they're they're a joke, they're poor, they're you know, retail stock traders that they don't matter. I loved that uh, and you know, predictably, I don't think you'd have a very successful movie if the billionaires were the good guys. But I do appreciate that for the most part, the Redditors come out looking okay here. And I did like that. Because thought- I'm on their side. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Wall Street bets chat and like how, you know, perverse and vulgar it is. And no, like, not, not quite those guys, <laughs> but like the general community that was very like anti-billionaire, anti, you know, Wall Street. Oh, sure. I, I'm, that, I'm glad I, that they were painted. That, you could, that you I totally agree with. I thought you were talking about like seeing the good character and I thought you were being smart alecky no, about no, I was being Wall just, Street bets. About, so. the, about the characters okay. we follow, not the ones I, that are like doxing people and doing vulgar things online. No, no, that it's hard are. to separate that though. It, it, it is. It, it is it difficult is. to separate. This is the, this is the, the Snyder bro Redditor. Right. And I, like, I, this maybe, is, you are, you're hard. articulating my point better than I could, which was, I think so much of Reddit culture in, during this time, two years ago, got wrapped up at, Oh, they're just a bunch of, you know, vulgar man child. And we don't need to listen to them. I'm glad that this movie sort of gave them personalities and, and personified them in a way that was, uh, favorable and it wasn't oh yeah they're all just nerds I, and losers I and do vulgar. have cognitive dissonance with the fact that 
it it does portray favorably some of the bad behavior as well. So like there is, you know, like, and I, I don't mean specifically, I just mean in general, like when you just kind of do a blanket, like these are the good guys, you know, that this movie does. Um, it does ignore a little bit of the nuance. Listen, movies don't have time to get into all of the nuance. I get it. But, you know, there there is a problem with internet culture. There is a real, um, yeah. for the most part, bro culture problem with the dark recesses of the internet in a very dangerous one at times. And part of this movement in, involved some of those kind of people just wanting to be anarchistic or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but you know, the, the movie didn't deal with it. That's okay. That doesn't actually bother me too much. I don't feel like that's the point this movie had to make. Yeah. Um, although it, it does play into my, my largest negative, um, with the movie, which maybe I'll just go there. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just take us to the negative guys. Uh, this movie wants to pretend it's David versus Goliath, but it comes to the battle with a completely empty slingshot. Uh, there, there is nothing. This, this movie wants to portray that the little guy took down the big guy. A, that's not what happened. Uh, it just didn't happen that way. Uh, and 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 B, even the movie itself has a hard time making it look at the end like anybody got anything that was any kind of consequence. You know, so yeah, like, that's I, I, the ending was not only abrupt; it was frustrating, especially mm-hmm. since we already went through it, and this is two years later, and there's still no, we're still not better off. This didn't, you know, a well, did you check change. Game, did you check check GameStop's stock price? I haven't. It's it's said. where it's where it was when all this started. It's back at twenty bucks. Yeah. yeah, no, it's back at five bucks or six bucks or whatever. Like it's it's ridiculous how low it is. So it's like it's like you can say pe- the the little guy got rich, but you're kind of wrong because it's zero sum. So as many people some, as many people some as made, little guys <laughs> some little guys got rich. Yeah, and that's and that again all of this again the the movie doesn't have to deal with all of this nuance. But to create such a David and Goliath versus story and then to build to something like this in a situation where David actually didn't kill Goliath, didn't actually even come close. Um, yeah, no, it's frustrating. It, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And also, we, it's not a movie. We have to live in that frustrating world. Where <laughs> right. Yes. We will never do better. The system will always bail out them and never help us. And I think, to Andrew's point earlier, had the movie focused more on Paul Dano and actually shown his happy ending – and we connect it, but we don't actually get to really see his ending. It's like we don't know how much any end with because he 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 you know well they show his end, the they, internet they show his end net worth, um you know or it, presumed we don't actually know how much he's worth or when he sold he kept right. that a secret we don't actually know the yeah. movie's like he could be worth thirty million he might have held until it was worth thirty thousand well he we, could be worth actually, thirty million for selling the rights to his story to this movie like I you know like that's and the I feel like that would have if that was part of the movie that would have genuinely. I would have loved that ending. If it followed him all the way up to this very movie being made, <laughs> I would have been like, yes, that's real. I, I wanted to follow his path and his family and see more of him and Shailene Woodley and see him buy a new house or whatever at the end. Like, mm-hmm. show me something. I, his, he's my proxy, right? He's a, a middle-income, middle-aged male in New England like me. Like, show – I want to live vicariously through his massive financial success. And we don't really get to see that. And that was frustrating. Yeah, that we just get a title card. This is like, yep, he might be worth thirty million, and bye. <laughs> that was frustrating. Andrew, talk at us a little bit. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? Ah, uh, 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 <laughs> I'm talking at you now. Thank you. No, uh, <laughs> let's talk about. Let's see why I think this movie is just anticlimactic. Yeah, that's. And I think yeah, it exactly has right. to go 
Yeah, I think it has to deal, for me at least, with the fact that this story isn't entertaining. I mean, it was a wild thing that happened, don't get me wrong, but it's not entertainment. This isn't social network, where it's just a crazy story and that, you know, everybody and, needs to And that to movie hear. had, like, human drama, friends against friends. This was just, like, faceless yeah. people over the internet and CNBC interviews. Like, it wasn't... It was missing that, I think, human element, especially for our protagonist, which we don't, I think, get to spend enough time with. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, the the villains in this movie never once uh, meet or talk to Paul Dano. Yeah, like, it's frustrating. Yeah, like, if you're really the bad guys of the movies, you have to have some c- conflict of connection with each other. If you've never been in the same room, how is that going to be at all intense. Now, would this movie have worked better if, it, if they just eschewed the the real life and just made a, a a fake version of this, right? They just ripped from the headlines, let's make our own fake scenario, fake companies, fake timeline, and make it more of a holistic beginning, middle, end, come up and scum. I was going to say, that's thing. what Social Network did. I mean, it made up a whole bunch of stuff about, you know, Zuckerberg and everything like that. Yeah, if this movie just made sake. up a fake thing that happened that was like this, inspired by this... But had actual mm. had actual moments where you know the the, the billionaire is a mustache twirling guy that you know kicks Paul Dano's dog at the beginning of the movie. I'll never let you live in this house. I'm going to sell the whole neighborhood, kiddo. And then he you know rises up and makes all this money and kicks the billionaire out of his house. Something That'd absurd would never happen in real life. But as a movie, maybe that would have been better. I don't know. It, it yeah. really does. The movie really does depend heavily on our Schadenfreude of. Um, yeah. Uh, the Seth Rogen character. That's it's putting all its eggs in that and basket. It, and, it, and again, I like, slight spoilers, but like I was not satisfied with his comeuppance. It was no. like I guess he lost a little bit of net worth. Like, <laughs> he, he didn't sell any yachts. I'm not crying over. He's not crying over it. Why should I? You know. Yeah. And honestly, it's not like he's that evil of a guy. I mean, yeah, he's like corrupt and everything like that. But I've been. I don't I've even know if he's see- corrupt. He's just a guy that had the means and, and uh, the convenience yeah. to be to make better decisions. If we were in his position, we would have all done the same thing. That's probably. I, like, I, I don't. I don't even necessarily feel like they were bad people. They was just like, all right, yeah, this is a stock that could make me money. I'm gonna make it. Well, they- Aaron's a better person than you and I, John. So. <laughs> No, I was genuinely trying to put myself in in those shoes of. Did they do anything that was like inherently evil? I mean, they bet against the stock. They weren't like explicitly yeah. singling out Paul Dano and saying, "I want you to so go the, bankrupt and lose your house." The uh, explicitly bad guy stuff that they're doing is the looking down on the little person. That's that's generally yeah. what what we're getting is an attitude of those morons. Yep, right. I guess I'll just yeah. keep taking their money if they keep wanting to put They're it in. Dumb money. Yeah, dumb money. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's fair, honestly. <laughs> I I understand that human emotion. It's it's not unrelatable. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think they were evil. They're just they're greedy. I mean, that's about it. And it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah, they're greedy and they lost a little bit of money. I I don't think they learned their lesson. I don't think they're better people. I don't think anything what? good <laughs> came of this. What well, is the lesson? I guess. I guess the other thing the movie wants I you don't know to if there is one. I, well, the other thing the movie wants you to invest in uh, through very specific uh. the ways the ways that it finishes uh. is uh, it wants it wants you to believe and Wall Street could never look down on the little guy again. Like they would yeah. never doubt the dumb money again. <laughs> 
please. I never once, I never once got that notion. Never once. That the movie literally has a line at the end that says that, no, and Wall Street could never look down on dumb money again. Like literally written on the screen in text. Is and the thesis <laughs> statement, and I rolled my eyes. And I was like, oh, "They've already done it. They've in the last two years, they've already kind of now they up. have to check Reddit when they make big right. deals." And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. They see us as fellow investors now. I'm sure they do. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, th- now one thing we haven't talked about is the whole Robin Hood of it all. The whole um, you know Winter Soldier yeah. of it all. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was to me that might have been the most interesting thing in the movie. Just because it was kind of like, to me, okay, I get interested in- But it's so quick and gone. It is so quick and gone. But I get interested in the fire Festival kind of stuff, where it's like, we're just going to say it, and therefore it's true. We don't have to do any planning or any thinking. You know, we just- I I love those types of characters, because their hubris just absolutely outpaces their intelligence, and it's entertaining like a train wreck. It's like, this guy- has no you know cognitive thought here that's going to make him succeed, but he's just so overly confident, unearned confidence. Right. That I'm like, I can't wait to watch him catch fire. And but he does he does he like, <laughs> nope. does he another? No, nope. he's another guy that like at the end of it, he's still worth a billion do dollars. And I'm said, not. Do you remember what they said about those guys? Because there's two of them. They were like, they're no longer they're no billionaires. longer billionaires. Oh, thank you. That oh, I guess they're poverty stricken now that they don't oh. have a billion dollars. Yeah. Oh no, only seven hundred and ninety. <laughs> oh no, poor them. This movie really, I, I really do think th- this movie is an empty movie. It's a very, sh- there's not a lot uh, here. It's just I'm going to forget about it next week. It's just, it, I think it's fun to watch because it, for me, I'm a sucker for a true story for one. So I'm, you know, I'm always interested in seeing, you know, kind of what that looks like. But, um, but yeah, it's, there's, there's not a lot to what this movie wants you to think. It's just, I, it's I would, false. I would definitely, definitely recommend it, but I, I don't think you're going to remember it or yeah. have. Any deeper of feelings with it besides just mild frustration, and I think the best way to put it is just like this is just the 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 smaller and less ambitious little brother to the big short, which is the same idea done so much better. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in the mood for that, if you're in the mood for a good stock market driven story, uh, the big short would be my recommendation. I I think this movie is more fun than the big short though. Like I think this yes. is a breezy yes. fun watch. Like I think I laughed this, a lot. I laughed, I laughed a, a lot. lot at this movie. Um and it's bold. Like it's it's also like you know uh R with a capital R too. Like it's you know like especially with like the needle drop choices and you know a lot of the gangs there's a gangster vibe to kind of what they're you know portraying here. Um so yeah, I think it's I don't know. It's it's got an energy to it that I don't see in a lot of you know documentaries based on a true story, that kind of thing, um, which I think is part of the the energy and the fun of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I'd say you you could have a good time watching this movie. I just don't think there's a lot there. Uh, well, oh, there you go. Alrighty then. Anything else about the dumb money before we uh, continue on? No post credit scene. That is true. That is true. All right, let's uh, move on to the best ever challenge. But before we do, thank you to our amazing Sif Pop members. Uh, you keep us going. Um, we really do appreciate you. We'd love to do the extra content for you. We record uh, extra fun stuff. I think John mentioned earlier in this show uh, that we talked a little about movies that make us cry, as well as some other things during uh, during our show before the show that is available to uh, levels of our members. So go check that out at Patreon. Patreon.com slash SIFPOP. Support starts at three bucks a month. Um, you can check out everything there. And thank you to those uh, who have checked that out and to those who support. We appreciate you. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, we're going to do stock movies, movies that, uh, yeah. the, where the plot uh, is influenced by the stock market. We'll go number five to number one. Uh, if you have it higher than somebody else who mentions it, Trump! it will get trumped, and uh, the person who has it highest will get the chance to talk about it first. Uh, all right, uh, I'll kick us off at number five. Um, I went with Limitless at number five mm. um i really enjoy this movie this is bradley cooper i find the the um it's it's a little bit sci-fi limitless is a little bit sci-fi with the you know the drug that makes you think good this, this is a it's a great movie and the tv show spinoff was also pretty solid it is pretty solid it is pretty because they brought bradley into the tv show as like a you know mm -hmm. sort of a tertiary character and um, I appreciated that. Total sidebar, but... That guy was also really fun on The Nun Show that came out this year. I forget what that was. Uh, the J.J. Yeah. Abrams and... Uh, yeah, that show was was really fun, too. Anyways, uh, Limitless is a good movie. Uh, and it, you know, a lot of it does deal with playing the stock market and how that impacts... It's a good... Uh, uh, we talk about it a lot on the show. A good competency porn mm -hmm. story. Yeah. Because yeah. Bradley Cooper's just a smart guy. Well, he becomes smart. And then he just figures stuff out. I'm like, yes, you absolutely knock those dominoes down. Figure this out. Uh, very fun story. Yep. That, uh, that's my honorable mentions. Yep, that's my number five. Andrew, what's your number five? This is the only one that's kind of 
going to be, I might get, you know, Nick stretched it a little bit. Stretched for yeah. this one, did you, Andrew? Going with a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, I thought of that and, and excluded it. Um, I, I, okay. That's in my honorable mentions as well. Uh, it, and I just rewatched this like two weeks ago, and it is so good. Absolutely love this screenplay. Um, yeah. It's not really about the stock. It's about yeah, selling. Yeah, the stock market doesn't really real play estate. into it too much. It's, they're selling shares of real Correct. estate. Yeah, they're making sales. So. Do you have another You have another number five? I don't. Right, well, <laughs> see, I, 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 you forfeit your I turn. You seen, yield your time. There's a, lo- there's a lot of just Wall, Str- Wall Street movies I haven't seen. The other four on my list are solid, though. Right, yeah, so. Glengarry, Glengarry is a, a great watch with some great performances, uh, for sure. Yeah. Very well written as well. So. You don't like it on my list? Well, tell me, what are you going to do about it? Huh? <laughs> John, what do you got at number five? Uh, trading Places. Hmm, nice. Oh, Nobody? Yeah. Okay, I thought somebody else would have this. Uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. classic, classic 80s comedy where I, I forget the premise of this. And I actually rewatched this one recently, too. Um, but there's a Eddie Murphy's like a, a homeless bum or a crack addict or something, and Dan Aykroyd is a hoity-toity, you know, um, cigar smoking club uh, owning, uh, mm-hmm. you know, millionaire son or whatever, and they literally switch places. Yeah, he's like a playboy, and they literally switch places and lifestyles because of a bet. I forget what the setup is, and Eddie Murphy he has a street smart kind of a guy. Fast talking, wise cracking dude makes more money on the stock market than Dan Aykroyd did, and I don't know it's a lot of fun. It's a good Eighty Murphy uh, vehicle from the eighties, as most of them are. That's back when he was really consistent and really funny. Um, and again, is the, the the amount of movies that literally have Wall Street involvement in the core plot? I, I could count on like two hands. It's not a lot of films. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. Um, yeah, I think I have uh, four honorable mentions in my five choices. So yeah, I, I had nine that that I came up with that I really like. Um, all right. Uh, I guess we're on to my number four then. Um, my number four is margin call. Um, I love this movie. Um, Oh, sorry. (coughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. I was a little slow. (laughs) Uh, all right. What's your number four, Andrew? Uh, this will get Trump, but the big short. Yeah. Trump. Uh, care to make it a unanimous Trump session at your number four, John? I have inside job. No, no, nope. nope. not okay. Trump for me. Oh. Inside job. I, I, oh, inside sort of, job. I, I was thinking inside man for a second there. I'm like, no, right? No, well, inside. I mean, yeah, this. Is, yeah, I, I almost. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't. <laughs> no, not the movie with. Uh, what's his Denzel. name? Denzel with Denzel and <laughs> the British guy whose name escapes me right now. Uh, no, inside job is a documentary from 2010, and this is. Uh, you know, the in-depth look at the 2008 financial crisis, uh, which I think the big short also covered, but from a, a, a dramatization kind of standpoint. Uh, and this, I believe, won the Academy Award for Best Documentary in 2010. Uh, it is an exhaustive, uh, like, neck break pace experience where it's just laying out like, here's what this, 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 and this. And there must be a thousand, you know, lower thirds throughout the course of this movie. All the different players and and all the different corporations and lawyers and billionaires that were involved in, you know, the biggest financial ruin of, you know, my lifetime, certainly. Uh, and it's it's a very illuminating and educational experience and also extremely frustrating uh, if you're someone like me who tried to buy property during that time period. Like, this is, this is very unfair. I feel like I'm being cheated and it's not my fault. 
Um, so yeah, not a movie to watch if you're in a good mood because it'll ruin it. But if you're curious, <laughs> if you're curious about the financial crisis of 2008, which was such a you know pivotal moment for for many millennials like myself, it is I think required viewing to kind of get your handle on a very complicated and very large piece of history. That's just yeah. As somebody who moved states in 2009, yeah. uh, let me just say I have stories I could tell. I have yeah, yeah, no, and I bought my first house right around the same time, and it's like this is. This is this is frankly this is horse crap. Like this, mm-hmm. I don't. This is very unfair. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, we can't do anything about it." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> my 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 main thing from that time was making payments on a house that was so underwater that nobody was ever going to buy it, and then yeah. telling them we wanted to work with them. You know, like, yeah. hey, listen, yeah. this this isn't good for us. It isn't good for you or whatever. And they're like, oh, we can't even have a conversation until you stop making your payments. I'm just like. I'm trying to be the the good person here. Like I'm yeah. I'm not trying to, you know. So, yeah, it's it it was a ba- it was a bad time. It was a bad time. Yeah. Uh all right, on that positive note, let's go on to our number 3s, <laughs> shall we? Like uh, I said, don't watch it if you're in a good mood. <laughs> my number 3 might get trumped. I have Boiler Room uh at number 3. Nope. Um Good movie. I'm actually not sure if I've seen this one. Oh, put it in, put it in your watch list. Put it in your watch yeah. list. Uh, Boiler- I have not. I have not seen it. Boiler Room is a good one. Is a really good one, um, and it is you know uh, kind of deals with. It's really kind of one of the first movies I remember really dealing with kind of the inside traders and in this kind of way where they were like the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, kind of vibe to them. Um, the the cast is. Uh, yeah, really? I'm looking at it now. Giovanni Ribisi, Vin Diesel, Nikki Cat, Scott Kahn, Jamie Kennedy, uh, Ben Affleck, just a host, and Will McCormick, just a bunch of names that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So good script, good cast, and um, and compelling throughout. Very interesting throughout. So yeah, highly recommend Boiler Room. Do you know the scene in Glengarry Glen Ross when Alec Baldwin gives that giant monologue at the very Always beginning? Always be closing. Yes. Uh, uh, what's his name? Ben Affleck has a very, very similar role in Boiler Room, where he gives it's a an little bit of an homage speech. to, to uh, Glengarry. Actually, there's yeah, I'm all about yeah. that because Alec Baldwin's five minutes of that movie is maybe the best five minutes in any movie of that whole year. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's so good. it's so fun. It's so good, and I can't repeat any of it because it's all just swears. No, you can't. <laughs> but it is. Who it's are such you? A fu- <laughs> yeah, who are you? So F you. That's who I am. This watch costs more than your car, buddy. It's just <laughs> such a good. Such a good scene. Uh, Spoiler yeah. Room is my number three. Andrew, what's your number three? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. I had it my honorable yeah. mentions. Trump. Trump. All right. So we'll wait to talk about that one, uh, which means, uh, John, what's your number, number three? The Big Short. That's where I had it. I think Andrew's number four. Trump. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about our number twos. Uh, a movie nobody's mentioned so far at my number two. The Big Short uh, is what I have at uh, at my number my number two. Short. I can't believe you guys don't like this movie. Um, no, this is, is this is amazing this stuff. Is so this is good. where I really really fell in love with Adam McKay's style. I remember coming yeah. out of this and going. He's doing he's, a, he's a little different. It's different, and he's doing his own Wikipedia during the movie. And I hadn't really seen that kind That's of thing before. <laughs> um, and so, like, it's kind of his thing, like instant Wikipedia in his own movie. Um, 
And I, I just, I, I really found that compelling and interesting, not to mention the performances are great. The, the oh. digging into what happened in such an understandable and authentic way is really fascinating. It's, it's so, it's so amusing to me that there's that great scene in the bathtub with, it's Margot Robbie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that like they, they do this deliberately overt cutaway to Margot Robbie in a tub. And it's like, well, to get you to focus, here's Margot Robbie in a tub to explain what a short sale is. Mm-hmm. And by God, it worked because seven years later, I'm like, yeah, I know what a short <laughs> sale is. I was glued to the TV for those three minutes. Amazing. Um, yeah, it is. It's just laced with so much, I don't know, like crosstalk and exposition and all this layered history, but it's done with such exuberant, passionate performances from such a great ensemble of guys it is it, it's kind of everything i wanted dumb money to be and it's it kind of takes the entertainment of dumb money with the expositional uh education of inside job and mashes them together for one really fun and uh edutainable experience edutainable i like it and edge edge what's the word i'm trying to find education educational edutainment i don't know what I'm just, <laughs> it's late <laughs> Edu- edutainment? That's a word, right? Sure, it is now. is now. It is now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so there <laughs> is uh, my number two. Andrew, what is your number two? This is where I have Margin Call. Mm, cool. Chat it's about it. It's one of my favorite movies. It's in my top 100 movies of all time. Uh, it's just layered with everybody giving their best performances. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Irons gives an Oscar-worthy performance in this movie. I am beyond flabbergasted that he wasn't even nominated that year i think tucci steals Uh, the show in my opinion i think tucci is amazing in this movie tucci's not even in it that much (laughs) (laughs) but when he is man he's just but when he is in it yeah Uh, maybe i'm wrong i just i really like no no it's it's such a good movie you have to pay attention when you're watching this movie because they unlike yeah this movie doesn't spoon feed you at all yeah it's not a movie that's interested in helping you understand it's like Facts, 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 facts. And I think this is highly based on the true story without, you know, naming the actual companies involved in the 2008 uh, tranche shortage, like collapse of the stock market. Uh, Yeah, I cannot recommend this movie enough. I I, I saw it once over 10 years ago, and I don't remember much about it. So I I need to rewatch it clearly. That is a big vote of confidence from you there. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's in my top hundred movies of all time. So, yep. Uh, John, That's what you got in your number, number two? All right, I'm going to just say up front, I have two movies left, and I am getting worried that we haven't talked about either one of them yet. Uh, the first okay. is The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, that, well, have, Andrew mentioned it. It got Trump. You trumped. You trumped it. it. Okay, I did. All right. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> Good. I forgot. I forgot. Well, Andrew, let's let's talk about it. What do you like about The Wolf of Wall Street? Well, you had it higher than I did. I'll just yeah. fill in the gap. You, it's, oh, you, it's on you to it's, start, John. It's I don't know. It's Scorsese at his best. He's just going manic. He's just throwing everything at the at the wall. Jonah Hill does so such good work in this. DiCaprio is you know obviously he's fantastic. This is the breakout role for Margot, and uh, it's just it's just like a frantic fun ride that leans into that. I don't know, like circus uh, mania of of like stockbrokers and that like. They're very fast-paced. It doesn't matter who we crush on the way up. Let's just get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are not like good people, um, but it's a good movie because uh, it's, it's just it's just very fun and eclectic and raunchy and vulgar and exciting and sexy and and it just there's so much about it that uh, is really really fun. Like most of Scorsese's films, right? They all have that 
kind of quality to them a bit. But this one, I think, at the most. <laughs> Do you yeah. not like it, Aaron? You didn't have it on your list at all? No. I don't think Aaron likes this movie. I don't like this movie very much. Yeah. I do have it in my honorable mentions just because I think it, it deserves mentioning. But yeah. No, I it's I mean Goodfellas and Wolf of Wall Street are in the same boat for me. Like I get yeah, why people love them. I totally understand. Yep. I just can't invest because the whole time I'm going, these are terrible people. Why do you want me to have right. so much fun with this? Like, right. wh- why are you tr- trying to make this so exciting? It's, you know, yeah. like, so like I get, you know, in my own head or whatever. It's just, it's hard for me to enjoy. Yeah. Um, because for two hours you get to vicariously live through. But why do you want to? no inhibitions. But why no do you want to? Sometimes I don't want to. Because it's going to be, bad, to. Aaron. <laughs> be <laughs> exhilarating. I think it's, that's terrible. I don't know. Anyways, but, um, but yeah, it's, I, I always mention the, it in the same breath with Goodfellas. I, I have the same reaction to both yeah, of no, them. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. It's and, funny and, you say that. Because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, Wolf of Wall Street, this is Martin Scorsese. He's stretching his abilities. He's not making a gangster movie. And I say, bullcrap. This is a gangster movie. This This is is 100% a gangster movie. This is the departed all over again. It's just a different setting and a different setup. They're they're wearing ties instead of guns. It's no different. Yeah. yeah, this is a gangster movie. You cannot convince yeah. me otherwise. But I, 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 I don't want to be. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the scene where DiCaprio like goes absolutely like I don't know unconscious on Quaaludes, mm-hmm. and there's that yeah. scene where he's like crawling through his mansion trying to get to the car yep. in the drive. Yep. My, I saw that opening weekend. The theater was just, the the no, noise was just cacophonous coming out of that theater. It mm-hmm. was the one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen mm-hmm. in any movie. And it's not I, I guess it's kind of a comedy. There's certainly so much in it that's funny, oh, it's but a comedy. Sure. I guess I didn't expect that and the the audience was just on the floor laughing. Like yeah. it was No, I get such it. a fun scene. I totally get it. I really do. I really do get it. <coughs> yeah. Um all right. So, I think Andrew number you're number ones. Wait, do we already get we're, to number 2? So, one. we're number 1s. It's time for our number 1s. Yeah. Uh, my number one is the Hudsucker Proxy. Um, I knew it. What? Oh, I'm so surprised by that. I'm so surprised by I that. I think you're being sarcastic, John. Um, no, I'm not. Oh. I've actually not heard you talk about this movie, and I was expecting oh, really? something else here. So no, tell me why. Uh, no, this is one of my favorite movies. This is my top 20 okay. of all time. Um, oh, see, this, I didn't know that. I don't think I've is, ever heard you talk is, about it on For the me, show. this is top three Cohen brothers. Um, Whoa. I, I think this movie is spectacular. I think it's entertaining. I think it's compelling. I think it has something deep and meaningful to say. I think it's well-constructed. I think it's scripted incredibly. I think the performances are absolutely astonishing all the way down the road. Uh, some of Paul Newman's most interesting work. Um, and yeah, this is... This is uh, one of the most quotable movies in my life. I find myself going back to some of these quotes over and over again. Um, yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. Hot Sucker Proxy. Well, you're Norville, Aaron. That's who you I, are. That could be possibly it. I mean, I do kind of, uh, you know, have a little a bit of a, a uh, you know, companionship with uh, the idea of Norville Barnes and kind of the wide-eyed, innocent, naive guy. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, so... I really, Another really movie it. that I have not seen in 14, 15 years, and I, I remember it's for kids and nothing else. <laughs> I need to I need to go back to kids. it. Sorry, it's, you know, for kids. For kids. Yeah. I need to go back to this. <laughs> I remember liking it a lot, but I, I certainly would just not have picked it as a top 20. He's a piece of paper with the circle drawn on it, circle. and he goes, you know, for kids. Yeah. And the look on Paul Newman's face is just like, yep, you're the guy we want in charge of our company to, to completely destroy it. 
um uh, man i just i love this movie i have such a uh, place for this movie in my heart so i got i definitely got to go back to it that's a good rewatch yeah, yeah so that's my number one uh andrew what is your number one my number one's american psycho yeah i wondered if you might have that uh up at number one i, I mentioned it in my honorable mentions so yeah this has been such an illuminating uh Best ever challenge for me. I am so <laughs> well, surprised. Well, I know what you th- have at number one. I, you know, and I'm excited to talk about it. It's in my honorable mentions, but we'll get there. Just, this is uh, such an interesting list. <laughs> and I like them all. They're all great. But I'm just like, I didn't even think of some of these. <laughs> uh, American Psycho. This is a movie you can watch a hundred times if you want to, which I don't think. I was going to say, it's not, it's not times. quite the movie you, I you want might, to You watch might be an American times. Psycho if you watch American Psycho that many times. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm saying it's it's a movie where every single time you watch it, you can pick up something different. Or there's a uh, the theme or the messaging behind it is so obscured and difficult to understand that sometimes it's just oh oh you find yourself watching a different movie every single time. I feel about American Psycho very similar to how I feel about Showgirls, Uh, and I'll I'll tell you what I mean by that here in a second. (laughs) Which I, just is, did, I just did the dog head cock. You got you to explain this for listen, me. I'm, I'm, I'm the king of the tees. I'm the king of the tees. All right. All right. Uh, I just imagine Christian Bale up on the stage. <laughs> I'm really, really glad I came to both of them later in life um, and, didn't, and, didn't, and didn't watch them when I was younger. He did, he did, he did just say he came to them later yes, in life. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that it was... It was later in life that I experienced both of these movies. And I will tell you why. Because satire is often wasted on the young. And, like, I think there's something about, you know, growing up, maturing, whatever. Andrew's in the process of maturing right now uh, and moving on. Uh, (laughs) There's there's something about the process of, uh, you know, growing up that allows you to see satire in a much more interesting way. Um, And American Psycho is a movie I would have completely dismissed in my 20s, completely dismissed it. And watching it later in life allowed me to watch it and go, I think I see what's going on here. And the people who watch American Psycho and find like admiration for that character are completely oh, missing no. missing the satire. Oh yeah, it's, and, it's concerning genuinely. <laughs> yeah. And and this is this is again, I think there's for me again, this is this is the kind of movie I go to when people are like, you know, um can't can't you uh you know, praise a movie that has a, a bad person as the main character like we we're just talking about Wolf of Wall Street or whatever. Right. Yes, you can, but like Wolf of Wall Street doesn't feel like satire to me. It feels like Oh, it's glorifying. It, yeah, it it's feels like, like joyousness, right? Like where you can just you can completely see what what's going on in this movie uh, with with what he's doing. Uh, I specifically chose Showgirls for that reaction. By the way, I could have easily have gone with uh, Starship Troopers. It would have been just as easy if I wanted to go with a a, no, a different movie. It's but fine. Uh, you it's fine. You, you let it up with it came to. I know. I listen. Listen. I understand what happened. On, I want. I just for the record, I want to be known that I did not pick up on on the double entendre. <laughs> But when Andrew started laughing, I realized what happened, and then I became immature. You know, it took me a second. I was a little kids. slower. <laughs> um. All right. So on that note, uh, anything else about American Psycho before we get to uh, John's number one? Oh my god, I totally forgot. That's why we were here. Um, <laughs> Ah, no, I'm good. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. Very, You're, very welcome. You're welcome. Uh, John, tell us your number uh, one and why it is uh, your number one. I am. I am aghast 
that we have not mentioned. Oliver Stone's 1987 masterpiece, Wall Street, Correct. until now. This is not just the- I haven't seen it. This is, a, you know, the, the far and away easy by a country mile winner in this category for me. This is probably one of my top 50 movies of all time. I adore this script. I love the characterizations of this, like, little sheep that gets, you know, thrust up through the ranks by this hungry wolf, the Gordon Gecko character played in an Academy Award winning performance from Michael Douglas. Um, it is, I've watched this movie five or six times in the last 10 years, which, if you know me, is a lot. I don't wa- rewatch movies more than once or twice. Uh, it, it is just... Such an exciting, fast-paced script with compelling, interesting characters. Um, Charlie gets to play opposite his dad, um, which is so great to see both of them, Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen, doing some really interesting work together. And, yeah, the Gordon Gecko character, the greed is good speech, that entire... It's just so interesting. And what I love about this fictional story, not to spoil a lot, but the bad people get come up and set the end. It's not just, yeah, they went away and they all stay billionaires. And that's just such a frustrating way that real life ends. So this fictional world portrays perhaps the only time in history that a stockbroker has actually received consequence for doing bad things. <laughs> and I like living in that fictionalized world where materialism yeah. uh, has, you know, there, there is punishment when you abuse it. Um, I need yeah, to watch it again. Film. I need to watch it again. Um, I like it. It was my first honorable mention um, for sure. Uh, but uh, it didn't move me in the way that the uh, the other five uh, did. So, yeah, I, I need to go back and watch Wall Street for sure. And, Andrew, you, have, you said you had not seen it. Huge recommend. One of my all-time faves for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's get not into honorable mentions. I said that I really need to see it. Um, let's get an honorable mentions. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off with, uh, what the, uh, gurus said over at, uh, so the contributors over at Sif Pop said. There was a tie for third place this week. Tie between Hudsucker Proxy and Die Hard with Vengeance. Oh, Die Hard yeah, with a that, Vengeance. Okay. I yeah. guess that counts. Yeah. The bad guys manipulate the stocks. For yep. Them, so. Yeah, I think that's right. Timothy Oliphant. Number two was the big short. Mm. Okay. And number short. one choice for the gurus was Wolf of Wall Street. There you right. go. Respectable choices. Uh, I only had one other honorable mention, which was uh, Money Monster, uh, which is a George Clooney movie that kind of flew way under the yeah. radar that was, I thought, pretty good. So I wanted to mention Money Monster. Is that uh, the one where they're taken hostage? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That was interesting. Yeah. That was, that was interesting. Yeah. I have a couple. Um, one that is not really about the stock market, but about uh, the assault on Wall Street um, with Dominic Purcell from Prison Break. Uh it's not a like an excellent movie, but it's a really good actioner. It's a good like single location, one guy against his perceived enemies, literally shooting up downtown Manhattan. Uh, really tight, fun little action script. And then two movies that are really, really close. What's it called? I'm, Assault on Wall Street. I'm sorry, I, I kind of. Oh, I thought the, I thought that was like a uh, <laughs> no. I, I kind of talked to the title. No, 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 the the Assault on Wall Street. I think it's a remake of a '70s film, actually, but the 2007 version, whatever. It's the one I'm referring to. Okay. And then two movies that are adjacent to stocks but don't involve it would be The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox, which is a, like a such a perfect encapsulation of like 80s hustle culture and like going after that, getting the raise mm-hmm. and getting the bigger sure. truck. Yeah. And Michael J. Fox is always good. And then the other one, another movie I adore and have rewatched three or four, five times just in the last couple of years, uh, Working Girl with Melanie Griffith. And that's all about like, you know, skyscrapers and getting the raise and you know, making sure your boss appreciates your hard work so you can get the next big deal. And uh, Melanie Griffith, Harrison Ford, um, such a such a fun script. And Alec Baldwin's in that one, too, as a jerk. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> all right, there you go. Uh, our thoughts on the best ever stock movies. Uh, oh, let's do some Mary Treasure, guys, to finish this off. What's that one thing yeah. in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? John, you're our guest, so you will go last. I'll go first. I mentioned this in the pre-show because I talked about kind of the last 10 movies I've seen um, and got a reaction from both uh, John and Andrew. But I'm going to recommend Grave of the Fireflies and I'm going to do it carefully. Um, I It was the first time I had ever seen this. I was not ready for how intentionally this movie wants to be authentic about its story. It doesn't... Um, and, and, and I, I have to be honest, I really like how it structures that story in a way to allow you to experience it without, um, it actually protects you a little bit. Let's just say that. The structure of the story protects you a little bit. Um, and uh, I, I think it's beautiful. I was weeping, um, you know, through a couple parts. Um, but there was, uh, there's a famous quote that that it's impossible to make a war movie that doesn't glorify war. And I think this movie proves that quote wrong. Um, I think this is a war movie oh, yeah. that that is clearly, uh, clearly a movie that doesn't glorify war. Um, so uh, in any way. So yeah, Grave of the Fireflies is uh, my buried treasure. Uh, just go into it knowing it's heavy. And I think if you do that, you'll be fine. I know a lot of times those movies can feel like homework. Um, try not to approach it like that. I, you know, I find myself doing that sometimes where it's like, oh no, I know I'm going to have to feel things or, or whatever. And, uh, but I, every time I feel that I come out the other and glad that I, that I watched it. So oh, I hope, it's, it's I a, it's a very meaningful and important, um, heartbreak <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better word. It's, it's a devastating experience, but it's very worthwhile. Yeah. I was, I was absolutely floored when I saw this a few years ago. Yep. Or six now. This is right before. Was this your first time watching it? My first time uh, watching it. Yep. So there you go. Grave of the Fireflies. Andrew, what is your uh, buried treasure? Well, I don't know how I'm going to follow that one up, (laughs) but I'll try. Uh, On Amazon Prime Video, Gen V came out. (laughs) It's a great. It's a great double feature with Grave of the Fireflies. Um, Yeah, exactly. So if I would have known, Gen V is a. Uh, what 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 are they called? Not knockoff shows, but a spinoff a spin-off. show, a spinoff of The Boys. This is kind of mixing My Hero Academia with The Boys. It's all about a university for superhero kids. I mean, it's kind and, of uh, you know X Men, right? Like, I mean, it's that's kind of the the vibe is yeah. you know a school for superheroes. Yeah, but this is X Men. If it was this is triple X Men, uh, uh, basically. This is triple X Men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were to mix X Men with Euphoria and right. a super bloody eighties action movie, then you get Gen V. But no, I think that their characters are interesting. Uh, I, the The plot has me curious as to where it's going to go. It has me intrigued right, right now. So, yeah, Gen V. There you go, Gen V from the world of the boys. John, what is your buried treasure? Going back 41 years for this old TV show that only ran for six episodes, The Police Squad. This was the precursor to the Naked Gun trilogy, which I think a lot of people don't know that the subtitle, Naked Gun Files from the Police Squad, is in reference to this TV show. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it aired mm-hmm. on ABC for just a couple of months in 1982. Uh, they're quick 24-minute episodes, but they are so 
god dang funny. Um, this is a, a, a fabulous show that's a little, I think, less ostentatious, for lack of a better word, than the movies. The movies kind of go a little over the top. The movies go to 11. These are like a 7, right? It's a little more subdued, a little more subtle, but there's some great, uh, great sight gags. There's some great one-liners, and they do so many fun things that we see again or paid off in different ways or, or recontextualized in the movies. So if you like the Naked Gun movies, I think the Police Squad miniseries, or show, I guess, it was just canceled, right? It's not a miniseries, it just canceled, um, is such really good TV from uh, a very, very long time ago. Um, I, uh, and one, of my, one of my favorite quotes is when Leslie Nielsen uh, walks into this guy's office and he says, hey, who are you? How'd you get in here? I'm the locksmith and I'm the locksmith. And the whole show is just great wordplay. And, and I just, if you like that kind of humor, this show is a, is a really quick three hours of your time. I do like that kind of humor, and I yeah. love this show. Um, I, so you've it, seen it too. That's great. A lot of people the, don't even know it exists. Within the last week, I played all of, <laughs> I played all of six of the epilogues for my, for my sons. Oh, um, the, the, the freeze frame. They the, the freeze frame, frame. They're so good. They're so fun. Um, and I, I won't spoil them here in case you want to experience them. You can find a compilation on YouTube or wherever. Or just go watch the show. Where, where I mean, where do you watch the show? I can't find anywhere that it's streaming at all. So I forget. I had a copy from a friend from a long time ago. Yeah, maybe something you'll have I'd, to seek out um, through completely yeah, legal I'd, I'd means. I actually don't know but, where you would get um, it today. I've just um, had them for but, a long time. But yes, uh, it is It is well worth seeking out. Um, but yeah, we just laughed and laughed and laughed at those epilogues. Um, so I, I had forgotten. I remembered the freeze frame gag, but I had forgotten yeah. that they also did this gag where they just kept they kept mentioning all the people they had locked up. Every epilogue, they would add another person that they locked up. So like by the end, it's like, yeah, go spend time with such and such and yeah, such and such over there. Yeah, we put such and such away. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's it cracks me up. Like there's one, running, one of my other favorite like recurring that. gags. My other favorite recurring gag, and it's a great spoof on cop movies, is a, uh, uh, you know, Frank Drebin, the the protagonist. He'll go to a shoe shiner outside the the police station. He's like, what what can you tell me about the about the guys downtown running drugs? And he's like, you didn't hear it from me. And he'll lean in and give the mm -hmm. cops some exposition. And then Frank gets his info and he moves about. All right. So the shoeshine guy is clued into the word on the street. He has that inside info. But the, the great part of the joke is someone else comes up next and he's in full scrubs. And he's like, all right, I need to perform an echomedectomy in the <laughs> OR in 20 minutes. But I don't know if we can, you know, use – what do I need to use anesthesia for this? And like – and then the shoeshine guy has intimate medical knowledge about this one particular right. procedure. And it's just so funny that they're bribing the shoeshiner for medical knowledge or inside mm -hmm. stuff about right. it. And it, just the that. idea that the idea that he just knows everything yeah. was – and the way they do it, of course, is is much better than me retelling it. So yeah. check it out. Great show. Good stuff. Uh, that is the police squad. Uh, you may have to find it through completely legal means. Uh, Gen V is on Prime and Grave of the Fireflies is available to purchase uh, at various places. Well, we did it, guys. We managed to do a podcast. Congratulations. Uh, Wall Street will never look down on dumb podcasts again. Oh, uh, we, managed, we managed to pull it off. We did it. Goliath has fallen. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. 
And thank you to Jonathan Paula for hanging out with us again today. Uh, Jonathan, tell tell the the fine people where to uh, look you up. Um, Threads? I don't know. No. No. There's so many many social networks. Uh, The one that just got acquired by Tiny for $50 million is not a bad place to check me out. Letterboxd. Where I'm doing all my reviews. I'm, I'm rewatching the whole Scream franchise this week. I might start reviewing them as well. I've only seen the first two, so this should be a fun, fun week. For oh, me. this Going will be a fun those. week for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I stopped watching them 25 years ago, uh, but I really liked those first two, and uh, it's been at least those first two. It's been fun rewatching and, and getting back into the that uh, that genre of like self-aware mm-hmm. horror. Um, yeah, Letterbox. I'm doing Hooptober again this year, where you watch. 31 horror movies during the month of October and uh, that are like totally outside my comfort zone, stuff I've never heard of, stuff I haven't, you know, even thought about before. And it's always creates a really fun couple of weeks where I'm just watching movies like Chud uh, from 1980-whatever, 84, <laughs> uh, which is like, what's Chud? Never heard of Chud. Well, you should hear of Chud because it was fun. Bordello of Blood, another movie I checked out the other day, Dead and Buried. These are all fantastic. Go watch them. Uh, I hope that the acquisition of Letterboxd uh, mm. results in some advancement in some social features uh, that I think have been needed for a, a, a while there to really kind of see the next level of interaction I'm, with movie I'm, commentary. I'm optimistic the site will be okay, but anytime venture capitalist money comes in and buys a tiny little site mm-hmm. like this, it, it definitely worries me that it might get a lot worse. Yeah. And yeah. I, hope, I hope it doesn't because I love it. It's my favorite social site. Yep. Uh, thank you as well to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Uh, we already mentioned it, but you can go to Patreon to check it out. Three bucks a month is where it starts. It's patreon.com slash Sift Pop. Uh, there are many ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. You can also email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than being stealth about your military targets when you have to paint a giant glowing target on them a football field wide. Uh, We will be back (laughs) next week. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) We'll be back next week with much more. uh, And we will see you then. Bye. See you later. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.